Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez, and we wish you a happy holiday season. This is our program that we deliver every Thursday from 6 p.m. Eastern to about 6.30, give or take. And it is an opportunity to talk with you about pet loss and healing. And it is derived from the book that we wrote that's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups, that was based on decades and decades, 30 plus years in Nancy's case of work with, with facilitating pet loss groups. And this program is our way of extending our reach and, and having a dialogue with people who come from all over the place. So if you would like to be in touch with us, and we'd very much appreciate that, and you can send us your story, or you can send us a recommendation for a guest, or you can send us a question for a topic that maybe we should address. We're very happy to hear from you. And if you send us a story about your own loss, we'd like very much for you to tell us whether it would be okay to share mm -hmm. on this program, because a lot of what we do on the program is to read the notes that we get from people who have allowed us to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And then we give some comments on it. If, you, if you're not comfortable with that, but yet you'd like to correspond, certainly send us a note anyway. We'll, we'll respond to you. We always respond. And hopefully that exchange will be of some help and comfort to you. You can reach me at KenDDV, that's K-E-N-D-D-V at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. This information, along with the other information I'll give in this intro, is available. It's attached to the description of the program. You can give us some support financially by sending a gift to us through Venmo or PayPal or subscribing on the anchor site. The links to do this and the the right information on how to do that is in the description as well. We always offer this. And at the same time, we say, we don't expect you to. <laughs> you don't have to. If you do, we're always grateful. It's helpful to get the support for the work we're doing here. But it's certainly not something that we're, we're asking of everybody to do. We would like, however, for you to think about subscribing on YouTube. Because if you go to the YouTube uh, site and you subscribe to the Pet Loss Companion, what it does is it, it affects the algorithm in a way that when people are looking for pet loss support, the program comes up at a higher point on the list. And so if you think this program is helpful and you subscribe, that will help other people to mm -hmm. find us. Program and find it when they're looking for support as well. We are a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. That is, you can learn more about Dakin at D A K I N H U M A N E dot org. Dakin actually sponsors a Zoom pet loss support group that I facilitate once a month from, it's on the second Tuesday of the month. And it runs from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you just need to RSVP for that at the Dakin site. The link is available in the description here as well. The next time is going to be January 10th. And I want to stress that you can join this, 
this group from anywhere in the world. And we've had people from all over the world join us, lots of different places, all across the country. There is no cost to you. It's completely free. And it has been really a very a very nice community. It's been really something that support that people have given to each other. Mm -hmm. So please consider joining us. That may be helpful for you. The link, as I said, is a, is in the description of our content for each of these programs. So I'll stop there and Nancy will get us started with today's content. Yes, we have a two, you know, lovely stories tonight. Um, one that I will be reading, um, concerns more of a, not just the person who wrote, but it was a family dog and how important that dog uh, was to everyone in the family. Um, and that dog was a rescue and, and there were a lot of different themes that come out of that that we'll talk about. And, and I'll read that and Ken's going to read about Jessica and Jessica is very hyper vigilant about her other, I think she has other pets because of a death. And that's so typical, you know, of when we lose one, we're so afraid for the others. So I'm going to start. Um, and of course, now my, my uh, okay. So this is from Michael. And, um, but it really is about not just Michael, but his entire family. I want to thank you personally for creating the podcast to help console listeners like me cope in my desperate hour of need. While nothing can bring my baby girl back, your podcast has provided me some solace these past few incredibly hard days. I recently listened to episode 91. Our dog, Abby, we called her baby and baby girl, lost her battle to pancreatitis and internal bleeding on Sunday morning. Now, this was the Sunday morning of Thanksgiving. Unlike other dogs our family has adopted throughout my childhood, Abby was a loyal, best behavior, funny, and loving dog where we never had to worry about her biting anyone or her dispositions. My parents found her at St. Hubert's Adoption Center here in Madison, and that is where I have done or did the group, the companion animal group, for 30 years. So this is a Jersey family. However, Abby was not your typical adoption pet. She was a bit of an older dog, information limited, quoted at about four to six years of age, who hadn't been microchipped, and she was found to have parasites in which she had been secluded from other, kept secluded from other dogs. You could probably say Abby was damaged goods given her age, anxiety issues in the car, and poor health, making her an unlikely candidate to ever be adopted. But my parents took her and cared for her. What started as an awkward relationship where she barely toured other parts of the house for the first few months evolved seven years later into an inseparable bond of love and companionship, cuddling in bed next to my parents every night, and was an integral member of our family. I had just arrived from Chicago for Thanksgiving, excited to see Abby as I do every time I visit home. While Abby did have her health issues, she's 
she was on an expensive veterinary GI diet for years, recently diagnosed with Cushing's syndrome and weak hind legs. She still breathed life and energy enough to play with her treat bowl. She was getting old, but never did it occur to me those first few days of Thanksgiving weekend would be our last. I woke up to the nightmare Saturday morning at 4.18 a.m. when Abby was vomiting. I understood she had been vomiting on and off for three hours. After an excruciating amount of time had passed, we realized she wasn't getting any better after she started to vomit, ex excavate dark liquid. We rushed her over to the ER hospital at 1 a.m. Based on the vet's diagnosis, we decided to hospitalize her in what appeared to be our only real chance to save Abby with IV fluids. She went, we went home to get some rest after not getting much sleep. We were told shortly before 8 a.m. that the ER vet was able to stabilize her after her heart rate was erratic throughout the night. We were told to come around 10 when the doctor swapped shifts. It was at that point we knew she wasn't going to make it. As we started mentally preparing ourselves that this might be it, we got a second call no longer than five minutes later telling us to come quickly. She was not going to make it much longer. We rushed out the door with not a second to spare and got there by 9.03 a.m., but we were too late. She passed three minutes earlier. It kills me that we weren't there in her last moments. My dad cradling Abby during that 1 a.m. car ride and while in the waiting area seared in my memory. Had we known she had no chance of surviving, we would have brought her back to the place she's always known as home, surrounded by those loved, who loved her instead of someone she's never seen. Last night, we had a power outage, and I woke up today at 5.18 a.m. with the kitchen light on, about the time that Abby typically gets up. But I didn't hear those little paws tapping on the kitchen floor to greet me this morning. Her treat toy ball sitting outside on the deck that she played with literally three days ago. We keep chanting her name around the house, but no one is here to answer. I walk around feeling cold and empty, as if something died within me that Sunday. I've had a few dogs in my lifetime that have passed, but Abby hurts inexplicably. This year would have been our baby's eighth Christmas, and we needed more time with her. Sunday was the day we were going to take a family photo with Abby. Instead, we were forced to say goodbye. Any thoughts you could share on how to ease the pain after losing a cherished loved one? What do you find works? Thank you for so much for listening. You can share my story. Best regards, Michael. So here is this such a thoughtful, compassionate, insightful young man who has written about their beloved Abby as a family dog and the process of, of that wonderful human-animal bond that they establish with this poor soul that had so much going on for her. And then... Unfortunately, in just a matter, even though she was sick, in a matter of, of, of a day or two, I mean, you know, she died. And, and how guilty they felt that they could not be there, you know, for her. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that strikes me about this story is how embracing they must all be and have mm -hmm. been of her because she was 
she was a dog who came to them at an, at an advanced age. I think she was four or six years old when she came mm -hmm. and she was not, she was not yeah. acclimating easily. It took a no. very long time for her to acclimate. And yet you see in the pictures, <laughs> the way that they, I'll put this up again. This is the best. They sent us a bunch <laughs> of pictures, which we appreciate, but I mean, you can tell. She's totally you can tell how much she was loved. Loved by this they loved her, and she loved them. You know, <laughs> and, and so also, so when you have a dog who you have invested, you've invested so wow. much love and care, and and then mm -hmm. as she grew older, they they had to do the kinds of things that are so typical, like the IV fluids and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's makes for a kind of intimacy that's just yeah. so so difficult to to release and that's and, what michael has said right they had had other dogs but this loss was so much harder you know for him and for them yep you know? uh, so what can he's asking for help what to do well first of all just sharing the story is is a way to get some of the some perspective on it to get it out of oneself to share with his family i mean they're all in this together they're taught mm -hmm. they're saying her name regularly at home it's almost like a ritual of mm -hmm. remembrance and loss and grieving and that i would imagine is cathartic for everybody mm -hmm. that they're they're oh. doing that and the fact that they're in this together is so powerful it's yeah. so powerful but but of course we know that there's no easy solution yes. there's no way but through this and that's what they're living through at this point mm -hmm. it's been a it's been a while now it's been since thanksgiving not a not a long while at all but there's a little bit of time that's passed so it may be a little less raw now but mm -hmm. this could be something that they'll be going through for some time in terms of the ups and downs and the the feelings of distress and and sadness and anger and lack of energy and you know all the rest that we go through when we're grieving but i think what you said is really key because i think it it pull even though everyone grieves differently it sounds like the whole family is working together to try to you know support each other through this this long. yeah yeah, yeah. And you can just see he's a, such a loving little dog. And, uh, you know, so I, yeah. I showed the other pictures while you were reading. She's in like a cradle. <laughs> she looks, she's she, so cute. You know, she is outside she's with her with ball. Her <laughs> and it's just so great to see. I mean, these are the images that eventually will bring great gratitude. Yes. And, and yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll yeah. use the images that will that will take over for the pain eventually, eventually, mm -hmm. but that could take some time. And so one of the things that, that they have is a lot of nice photographs and yes. so maybe they can make a, uh, a collage out of them or a scrapbook. Maybe they've already done that kind of thing. I don't, we don't know exactly what they did with. Well, right. Cause there could, could be different memorials and different yeah. rituals that they could do that will help. I know. I, and I, I want to also say again that the, it's very hard. My first hug, I was not there when she died. And I wasn't there with Molly either a few years ago. And I think that that's a really hard thing mm -hmm. to go through because you wanted to be there 
Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you always want to be there. Most people, yeah. some people really have a hard time and that's fine too. But for me, and I'm sure for them, they really wanted to be with her when she died. Yep. And it's, it's, it's nobody's fault. I mean, she died, you know? No. And, and, and the thing that, that I think it might be useful for them to keep reminding themselves of is that the reason they weren't there is that they had established they had given her the right care. They had bring her, yeah. brought her to the vet. They were following the vet's guidance. They were the she was in the custody of that veterinarian at the time, which was the best that could have been that provided have been at the time. And so that's why they weren't there. It's not through negligence that they no, weren't there. It's through, it's through just the circumstances of trying to provide her with the very best care. And so that's really the way that I hope that they keep reminding themselves of that, mm -hmm. that this, these were circumstances that that were necessary for the possibility of her surviving this. And unfortunately, she didn't. But it would have been they would have been remiss had they not done what they did right. in brought her to this veterinarian. So but completely understandable because, yep. you know, we have all been through that. Oh, or my God. I've been through that. The thing with this stuff is you can know everything. We know that we did everything we could. We know yeah. that we made the right decisions, but but it it can really take some time before the feelings about it line up with that knowledge. And that's, that's something that it's important. That, that's just part of the way grief, grief is really irrational and it it is something we just have to, work through and deal with and live through because eventually it comes together and we have a realization that we did the best we could with the circumstances yeah. within the circumstances and with the knowledge that we had and nobody could have expected more but it can take some time to get there well that's also that we don't have any control over death yeah. unless you, we do have the ability to euthanize but mm -hmm. even then you know so we want to thank michael you know, thank and you, Michael, and your family, your yeah. wonderful family, and thanks for sending the photos. They really give such a such a richness to yeah. the description of what you what you experienced with your dear Abby. And we know that Christmas will be hard, you know, this year, but I'm sure that her memories, you know, will always coming through, you know, as as you guys ponder you know, what it would be like to have her there. So, yeah. So now we'll move on to Jessica. And Jessica wrote, hi, Nancy and Ken. First, I want to thank you for making the podcast. I haven't read your book yet, but found the podcast today and have found it helpful already. I lost my cat June a month ago. I had her for 10 years and the loss has been very difficult. I could write paragraphs and paragraphs about her, but for now, I want to talk about something in particular. I've always had a bit of anxiety surrounding my pets. I worry over their health and worry if I'm doing the right things. Am I feeding them the best food? Are they getting enough exercise? Do they need more enrichment? Are they happy? They seem fine, but what if they're sick and I don't know it yet? Mm. Since losing June, that anxiety has increased tenfold. Her death was sudden. One day she was fine and the next she wasn't. We weren't able to narrow down the diagnosis, but the vet thought it may have been acute kidney failure. I still have my dog. She's only three and she's healthy. She's been a huge help to me while I deal, deal with the loss of my cat. 
But now I find myself spending a lot of time worrying that something will happen to her. What if she gets sick? What if she eats something toxic? What if she get hit by, gets hit by a car? What if she chokes on a treat? What if she gets cancer? What if I'm, while I'm gone, the house burns down and she dies in the fire? If I can afford it, I would honestly bring her to the vet for a checkup every month and she wouldn't be very happy about it. <laughs> And even that still wouldn't prevent accidents from happening. It doesn't help that for several years I worked as a vet tech, so mm -hmm. I know how she many knows. things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many animals die of so many different illnesses and injuries. I've seen pets taken long before their time as puppies and kittens at two or three years old. I never want to leave her alone because I'm scared something will happen to her if I'm not there. I bring her almost everywhere with me. And if I absolutely have to leave her home, I watch her on my security cameras constantly. Reading this back, I sound crazy, even to myself. As I've said, this anxiety has always been there to a degree. But since June died, it's really taken over. I'm not sure how to get past this. Thank you for any advice you can give. And you're welcome to use this on your podcast if you'd like. Jessica. Okay. So really, wow. really great that Jessica's sharing this, that she's being yeah. so generous and, and vulnerable Yes, and sharing this. And, and also what she, you know, when I read this, what I thought is, wow, she's incredible because she is thinking about all the things that we all should be thinking about. Am I feeding them the best food? Are they getting enough exercise? Do they need more enrichment? Are they happy? Do they, they seem fine, but what if they're sick and I don't know it yet? And by the way, a lot of times, like her cat, they can be very sick. And, we and don't you wouldn't know it because animals protect themselves by being incredibly stoic. But I think that that part of that is she has been a vet tech. And she yes. and I'm working at Blue Pearl doing my internship and watching those techs and and understanding about what can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. At any moment in time. Yep. And she knows that, right? So it must be excruciatingly yeah, anxiety-provoking yeah, yeah. for her, right? Yeah. And, because when you're in it, it's like when you and I started, I'm sure when you and I started graduate school, we used to think that we had every kind of affliction known known in the psychological every world. Every kind of mental right? health condition. And I do, in fact, have some of them. But <laughs> I mean... And we're all, what do you mean? I may have heard a voice, you know, I mean. It, it. But, but yeah, of course. I mean, one, one of the things that strikes me in this story is that a lot of things that we do, they're good in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> but if we become obsessive about them, they torture us. Of course. And, and so for her, the challenge is to know that she's probably doing a lot more appropriate monitoring and supervision than most of us do, but to actually try to pull it back a level can be hard. And it can part of what I'm guessing is that this will tone down a little bit over some time after losing yes. June, that yes. it'll she'll kind of settle back to what's more normal for her. And it sounds like what's more normal for her is a little heightened to begin with. Right, exactly. Which, which is not necessarily a bad thing if no. it's not a total preoccupation, which it sounds like it, it is a bit at this point. So the first thing point I think that 
we want to make, and I think you made it right at the beginning of our discussion today is it's really normal to get a pretty, to get kind of hyper. Yes. After the death of one animal, you watch your other animals very closely. Because we tend to, just in order to do everything that we have to do in our lives, we tend to get a, a sort of an illusion of control and lessen vulnerability than is actually reality, right? Because we have to keep doing the things that are part of our our normal lives. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't want to be preoccupied with the most extreme possibilities because we have to focus right. on the challenges before us every day. And so that's something that we might lose a little bit of that ability to sort of feel like everything's basically okay when we are suddenly shaken right. by a loss like this, right? I mean, that's something that can really kick us out of that sense of, well, for, for the most part, everything's okay. No, it's not okay. My animal just died. So right. we're now really open to thinking about all the extreme possibilities. All the possibilities. <clears throat> now, and also she, she has admitted that she has a level of anxiety to begin with. And anyone with a level of anxiety is going to in that crisis in that in that illness in that death would then of course spike you know and this is what she's she's saying to us right i don't know what to do with this anxiety yeah, yeah, out of yeah, control yeah. i mean i wish basically i want to take my dog to get you know an evaluation every month or every yeah i think she said every month maybe it was every week but but she also yeah. knows that that not- isn't it's neither it's not necessary, necessary nor pleasant for her to- right for for the for her little yeah. baby. So, yeah. I mean, what some really practical things you can do is when when she has the impulse to check, maybe to do something else. You know, maybe to to do, something else. do some deep breathing mm-hmm. when she feels that impulse. Or, Exercise, yeah, stretch, take a you walk, know, walk, something walk. like that. Maybe mm-hmm. she can put. It, you know, put some times during the day when she's going to check, like every half hour, maybe to start with, and then lengthen it to every hour she'll check on the camera, because she may need to sort of desensitize herself so, to how regularly she checks in with her dog. Or she could write it down, her, her anxiety, her, yep. whatever her anxiety is and say, no, this is going to be fine. No, he's, he's going to be fine. I think it's yeah. Really good idea to write. I'm thinking about checking right Right. now, but I'm not going to do it because I'm sure he's okay. Right. And to to just to just sort of check in with herself that way, but not actually follow through and do it. I mean, she's she's already doing that because she's not following every impulse that she has. I mean, essentially the task is to is to redirect some of the impulses into things that look more like actually self-care. Mm-hmm. An obsessive focus on her right, dog, exactly. Right, and so, like, like we said, to just do things, even to just put on some music in her headphones when she feels like checking, get, get instead, distracted instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, but I do think it's going to lessen a bit. It, it will, it will fade. Yeah, it will fade. And we invite her actually to write to us if she wants to talk about this more, because. Yeah. But but another thing that if this is really bothering her, and I don't think she wrote this in her note, it can help to to check in with a therapist and learn some additional techniques for 
lessening her anxiety. One of the things that we just really stress all the time is we deserve whatever help will be beneficial to us. Nice. And, and so there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist It can only be helpful. And if it's not helpful, then you stop seeing them and maybe look for another one. <laughs> and, and no, she is definitely not losing her mind. She's she, not, that's you're not, not losing crazy. her mind. She's a, she's a loving, loving pet guardian. Yes. And that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. She needs wait, to wait. perhaps just direct a bit more calm and loving toward her, lovingness toward herself. Her. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that we appreciate that because it is vulnerable for her to share that. And, yep. and we really do appreciate the fact that she has been able to talk about that and, and ask for help and, you know, writing it down, physical exercise, what we just talked about, or yes, yeah, seeing a therapist is, is also fine. So I want to, before we close, and first, first of all, let's thank Jessica for thank sharing Jessica. because the, that hypervigilance is something that mm-hmm. when I read her note, I said, this is a really important one to share yep. because this is very common and yep, very meaningful for many, many people because we, we, we are shattered out of our sense of everything's okay when we lose right. a pet. And it's, it's, it's really a common thing that happens to us, what Jessica mm-hmm. described. So thank you so much. And thank you for your generosity and being so open. Yes. We have a bunch of notes that I'm just going to put on the, the, uh, on the screen. And the way this works is Nancy can't see these. So I, I need to interrupt <laughs> and make sure that she does see it. So we got a note from, from D in Boston. And she said that she's sorry for your loss. And I, I believe this was directed to both of the, the people we're talking about. So both, the first Michael and, and Jessica, and Jessica. We, we have, uh, uh, Bianca violin who wrote, hi, Ken and Nancy, glad to catch you live. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you both with us, D and Bianca. And right. then we have Grant Menzies who we know from. Oh, Grant. Who, who oh, cool. We just adopted another former mill dog, Nico, who arrived with a number of health issues. These oh. people, Gran and his husband, are amazing. Amazing dogs. Generous. Parents. Man. Animals, who dogs who have real challenges. Yeah, challenge, right. Health issues we didn't know about and almost died two weeks into his life with us. Oh. Hospitalization and follow-up followed, and Nico is doing much better. But to our anxiety about his continued good health, we are reminded of last year spent helping our little, our late Freddie battle cancer and heart disease. I try my best to keep my worries from Nico, who is intensely aware of us both and the smartest little guy I have ever known. Oh, Grant. Thank you for sharing that. And yes. And he keeps a daily log for Nico. And this strangely strangely alleviates my anxiety. So I think you mentioned that, Nancy, that just writing down Mm -hmm. what you're thinking and feeling. So Grant is validating that he, he does that. Great. Yeah, we'll help, Grant. And then we have from Lizette who just wrote, thank you all for what you do. You've helped me immensely. So all oh. this is so these are our holiday gifts, what we're seeing. Yes. They really this are. Is very nice. So, we appreciate so these. Thank comments. you so much to all of you. And we wish everybody uh, just uh, the best holiday season you can have and a peaceful one if you're going through a lot of a, a lot, lot of sadness. Of mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same to you, Nancy. Have a really wonderful holiday. We'll talk. We'll talk next week. Next week. Take care. (laughs) Take care. Bye.